God is with you. Let us pray. God of the wellspring, source of life and truth, Jesus asked for water from the hands of a woman in the land of the stranger. May he teach us to name our need, to love our neighbor, and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. few years ago, Mary Beth was home in Indiana with her parents and siblings. And one night, her brother suggested that they play Heads Up, the game in which you hold a phone to your forehead and a word appears. You try to guess the word while everyone on your team gives you clues. A clue giver can make physical gestures or give verbal hints, but they may not give the first letter of the word, say the number of syllables, or say part of the word. Mary Beth's brother was excited to share the game with the family and maybe even clean their clocks as a more experienced player. Without realizing it, he paired Mary Beth with her sister, Susan. Woe to you who underestimate the power of sisters. Mary Beth and Susan are very close, and they have the sort of shorthand that borders on telepathy. They decimated everyone in the game, using clues that only make sense to one to each other, delivered with sisterly aplomb. For instance, for one clue, they said, hey, to which the other sister responded, horse. Fair enough. But the next word was ranch, for which... A sister gave this clue. She curved her arm and said, Hey there! In reference to something only they understand. Of course, they got the word right away. Those sorts of clues are like relational superpowers. Sisters have the superpower of knowing each other. It's not just knowing stuff about the other person. This sort of intimate knowledge comes from a lifetime of sharing bathrooms, enduring road trips quoting bad movies, borrowing clothing, relating bad dates, and all those things that sisters do. It's the superpower of knowing and being known. Today, Jesus uses the superpower of knowing and being known. Here, just after his date, after his late-night chat with Nicodemus, Jesus, on his way back to Galilee from Jerusalem, he's in Samaria, which is like being in Nevada or like a red state. Samaria is different. Samaritans inhabited the area between Galilee and Judah in what was the northern kingdom of Israel after King Solomon. Samaritans were largely descendants of people who lived in that region during the Babylonian exile. They worshipped the God of Israel, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai. And their sacred text was an abridged version of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. 
their holy place was Mount Gerizim, which is where Samaritans celebrate Passover to this day. They're still around. There's still 800 or so Samaritans. So here's Jesus in Samaria, a place he didn't belong. He gets in a conversation with a foreign woman. And this is not at all weird to us, but it was really weird for them. Men and women didn't talk in public, especially not strangers and foreigners. In this very place, it's important to know this context, that in this very place, Dinah, Jacob's daughter, was raped by a foreigner. This location also recalls Joseph being thrown into the pit or cistern before being sold into slavery in Egypt. The well also reminds us of the drought that brought Israel and all of the Israelites to Egypt. And at the end of that journey, Joseph's bones were brought back to this same area, which is the end of the Pentateuch, but this same area, Jacob's land near Shechem. All of that is in the background as Jesus and the Samaritan woman speak. This is the longest dialogue Jesus has with anyone in all of the Bible. And the dialogue is chock full of witty banter. They are both saucy in their remarks. And they both offer deep insight into who they are. The woman confesses, whether she likes it or not, that she has no husband. Jesus confesses his deepest truth. I am. We know what that means. We know Jesus is referencing the divine in response to Moses in Exodus 3.14. Aye, asher, aye. I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. I am is how the divine self identifies, which I love There's no pigeonholing, no gender qualifications, just I am. That is how Jesus identifies himself to the Samaritan woman. Ego, a me in Greek. It's like soyo in Spanish, or it is I, or it's me. Literally, I am. But the repeated first-person pronoun gives it an extra emphasis. Not simply soy, but yo soy, or soyo, ego, a me in Greek. This is the first of several I am statements in John. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Jesus extends the I am motif in metaphors throughout John, but it all starts here. Jesus reveals himself where least expected or deserved. This foreign woman is a stranger who has been married five times. She's now with someone who is not her husband. She has been through a lot. Without a doubt, she was labeled with words that are difficult for me to say, many of which I will not say, but people likely called her slut and other things of that nature. But that's not what Jesus calls her. That's not how Jesus treats her. Jesus treats her with respect. The respect of someone deserving his longest recorded dialogue. The respect of someone who knows everything about you. Notice how she's not ashamed that Jesus knows her. Sometimes it's terrifying to think of people knowing things about us. To see 
the ugly side of our bodies, to see the ugly side of our thoughts, to know the things we have done, to know our imperfections. But that's all a product of limited knowledge. When you know everything about someone, something else happens. You get that sister superpower. You get the benefit of knowing and being known. When I look at my children, I see them as they are now, maybe dirty and smelly, definitely prone to fighting, pretty silly. But I also see them as newborns, delicate, tiny, their swaddled bodies falling asleep in my arms and their breath on my cheek. I see them with their bright faces coming down the stairs in the morning. I see them on their birthdays or in Disneyland or splashing in our creek. I know them. My love and knowledge are intertwined. Such is our relationship with God. God knows us and loves us. God is inviting us into dialogue, into play and relationship, to listen to us and to respond while also fully knowing and loving us always. Johannine scholar Caroline Lewis observes that in John, salvation is belonging. Salvation is belonging. That belonging is being fully known and loved, stepping into relationship with the infinite. In the Exodus passage, the people doubt their relationship with love eternal. They ask, is God with us or not? It's an essential human question we all go back to over and over. The Israelites escaped slavery and oppression in Egypt, but now they regret it. They think they will die of thirst in the desert, but God says, let me show you. Let me show you how I know you and love you. I will make water flow out of desert rock. Just when we think there is nothing for us, when we think there is no option, when we think God is gone, God invites us to take the plunge, to plunge into living water. Dive into water, the essential ingredient and medium of life, that which makes up 70% of our bodies, that which accounts for 71% of the earth's surface. Water is what we know and how we are known. Water unites us, but it's also a struggle for many. 771 million people, 1 in 10 humans on this planet, do not have access to safe water. 4 billion people, nearly two-thirds of the world population, experience severe water scarcity during at least one month of the year. Access to safe water is a key aspect of environmental justice. The world saw how Flint, Michigan suffered in 2014 when the drinking water for the city was contaminated with lead and bacteria. Love of neighbor and water are clearly intertwined. Water is also a symbol of liberation. Any surfer gets that. 
But Christian tradition is grounded in water from the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt through the water in the Red Sea to the baptism that initiates us all into the God-love life. Water is the perfect analogy for our immersion in belonging, for being surrounded by God's love. As David Foster Wallace suggests in his commencement address, this is water, often we are oblivious to the foundation of our reality. We are so immersed in God's love that we can forget about it, take it for granted. Like the air we breathe, we forget it's there. But we don't have to forget. We can take the plunge. We can dive into awareness of our belonging and our belovedness. We can awaken to our connection with this planet and our dependency on water for life. We can wade into the troubled waters with our neighbors in need. And we can plunge together into the love that surrounds us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.